Today, we will be discussing the pros and cons of ChatGPT for authors. Is it a good decision to use ChatGPT to produce your work? These topics and more on this episode of Writing Pursuits. Welcome to the Writing Pursuits podcast, where authors like you discuss writing craft, author life, and book marketing strategies. I'm your host, Catherine McKee. I own Writing Pursuits and write and produce the weekly newsletter, Writing Pursuits Tips for Authors. In addition, I am a speculative fiction author. Writing Pursuits is for authors who drink too much coffee, endure judgmental looks from their furry writing companions, and struggle for words. If you are a writer seeking encouragement, information, and inspiration, this podcast is for you. Let's get to it. Hi, my name is Catrice McKee, and this is Writing Pursuits Podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by uh, Angela Haas and V.E. Griffith to talk about uh, ChatGPT. I am first... Uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and then I'll introduce our surprise guest. So, Angela? Hi, I'm Angela Haas. I am a writer from Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, primarily writing space opera and female superhero um, action-adventure stories. They're stories for people like me. (laughs) Yes, superheroes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And and V.E.? I'm V.E. Griffith. I uh, am a three-story method certified editor, and I edit and write uh, fantasy and science fiction. Yes. So, like, I need to send my stuff to you. (laughs) I have slots open. Okay. (laughs) For anybody out there, you can find V.E. Griffith at his uh, website, and I think it's... V.E. Griffith.com. That's what I thought. Okay. Okay, now that we have introduced ourselves, I am going to let our surprise guest introduce themselves. And our surprise guest is ChatGPT. So the way we'll do this is I will share my screen and um, I will give ChatGPT their prompt. So this is a little bit meta. Here we go. I'm going to share my screen. for. Okay. What does ChatGPT stand for and what does it do? Explain this to me as if I am in fifth grade. So great question. Chat Chat GPT stands for Chat Generative Pre-trained Transformer. That might sound like a lot of big words, but let me explain what each part means. Chat means that Chat GPT is a type of computer program that can talk with humans through text messages. You might have used a chatbot before, like when you talk to Siri or Alexa. Generative means that Chat GPT can create new responses on its own, rather than just picking from a set of pre-written responses. Pre-trained means that chat GPT has already learned a lot of information about the world from reading lots of text. That way, when you talk to it, it can use what it's learned to understand what you're saying and give you a good response. Transformer is a type of machine learning algorithm that chat GPT uses to understand language and generate responses. So, in summary, ChatGPT is a computer program that can talk to humans through text messages. It can create new responses on its own and has already learned a lot about the world. It uses a special type of machine learning to understand what you're saying and give you a good response. And you know what? That's really funny because I've asked that question before, and each time it gives me a slightly different answer. So Interesting. Is that how you understood what Ch- Chat GPT was? 
that basically conforms to my understanding. Um, I, 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 I like it in that at least it, it sticks to decent English. Uh, that's the editor in me. <laughs> um, but it, it also in some ways does feel sort of robotic and rote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How have you used it on your own? Mostly I use it for things like finding plot holes in my story. I'm writing a hero's journey. What are the elements in a hero's journey? Okay. And it spits those out. Okay. So now I'm having trouble with the refusal of the call. My character is this and such, and he's doing so and so. How can he refuse the call? And it will give me a response. What I have found is it's good for that kind of sort of giving me a kick in the pants to get ready, but it doesn't do very well if I ask it to write a scene. Right, right. It doesn't have the creativity. Oh, yeah, I would say that's that's true. So, Angela, what have you used it for? Uh, I've used it actually to help brainstorm a scene. So in my current work in progress, I have basically people not from Earth who have to do a heist, pull off a museum heist from something that's from their planet hidden on Earth. Mm -hmm. So it's a heist scene, but you don't have the normal heist planning and tools that normal people who are from Earth would have. So I was kind of stuck there on some parts of it. So I just thought for fun, I'd enter, you know, write me a high scene and I put in some criteria, but they say to kind of leave it a little open, you know, at least that right. some people have said be specific. Some people have said, leave it open and see what it does, but it, it spit out a scene and I was able to say, and now do this and now do this, but it, it doesn't, it gives you sort of a base idea, but as we said, it, it's not creative in any way. And it was very generic and very, it just sort of spit out some words, but they didn't really, it was nothing I would use or Bye. could use. It didn't really help go deep into my idea. So, um, and I've used, you know, it for just other I actually used it and where I found most helpful because I also have an underwater scene and it I used it to get me some quick science facts about the deep levels of the ocean like deep sea vents and the science behind you know those layers Mm -hmm. and when you can put in tell me like I'm a fifth grader (laughs) you know I was able to pull enough out that I could write you know, to where it was easily understood. So that's how I've used it. That's how I feel like it's a little better. Uh, I've tried it for a couple of things. Um, I've tried it for like naming a blog post. So like I had everything written and I just copied it. And I said, give me five potential titles for this blog post. And then I just pasted it in and boom. And I mean, I felt like the suggestions were pretty good. Um, I didn't wind up using what it, any of the suggestions, but I riffed off okay. of what it did. You know, I go, I can improve right. on that. That's, you know, that's, okay. I kind of like that angle. I'll work with that. And and then um, I did it twice, but the second time was pretty much identical to the first. So, you know, it wasn't able to 
change. And I think part of it is I don't have enough experience with prompting to perhaps Mm -hmm. get the very best response out of it. And I've heard that over and over again, that garbage in, garbage out, if your prompt isn't any good or is is sub-level, it's going to give you sub-level stuff and uh, maybe not be as good as as when you're more experienced. So I've been watching a lot of people go, okay, this is the best way I've figured out how to do it. And we're all just kind of seating, you know, seat of the pants kind of thing. (laughs) My observation is that there is a skill to it. And it's in some ways, it's like, I I call it Google foo. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good at Googling stuff, but you gotta, you gotta be good at it. If you just enter, you know, if you just enter a simple search term, like um, spaghetti bolognese, you're going to (laughs) get, Right. You know, you may not get what you're looking for because you're not specific enough, you know. Right. So. Um, I was thinking, uh, Angela, you reminded me of something else I tried. Describe the normal construction of a Renaissance ball gown. And I don't know oh, if it's factual yeah. or not, but it sounded factual. So that's where I'm like, well, hmm. But when I asked it about um, like some of the more common professions of the Renaissance, I think it was right on. It was pretty good. I, I felt like it was realistic enough. Um, I don't trust it though. I would I would always feel like I had to go double check on it, but it would give me a good place to start. Is this real? You know, and I then I'd be using Google and then checking my sources. <laughs> So. Yeah, I I had to look up what a moon pool was, you know, for deep sea exploration. Mm-hmm. And I actually wasn't finding a lot that I could, I was trying to find something I could read that I could put in a story, like make it my own words. Um, but that was the one way it was helpful in that where I wasn't finding a lot of information. And then I went to the chat um, GBT and then it gave me awesome information that it pulled, you know, so because I was not being successful in my Googling. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's good. Um, along that line, what do you think um, are the deficiencies and limitations of chat GPT just as you've observed them so far? My big observation is that it doesn't have any creativity. It It is. It's good at interpreting what you say and giving you factual answers Mm -hmm. up to 2021. It'll tell you it doesn't know anything that's happened after 2021. Really? Um, Yeah, it will. Um, But it won't won't do creative work. It won't write a scene. It doesn't do description. If you're writing something that is the slightest bit sexual, it will freak out. Um, Okay. It doesn't have... It doesn't have the human spark. I don't, you're not going to write a novel with it. You're going to use it to brainstorm an outline, but you're not going to write a novel with it. On that note, I saw a tweet by a teacher who says, y'all don't need to worry. You're going to be able to tell. And in the same, you know, in that thread, other teachers were chiming in. They go, well, what I've been doing is I let them use chat GPT and they have to print out what it says. And then they have to write their own words and they turn it in the assignment in together. That's a good idea. So she's she's just running with it. It's like, it's a new technology. It's like learning to use Google or the internet or whatever the new thing is. And you're just going to have to get used to it (laughs) and learn how to use it well. And so that was, 
that was an interesting take on it. What about you, Angela? What do you think um, the deficiencies are? You know, having taught uh, college level courses for nine years, my concern with it is I'm trying to teach critical thinking of mass media so that they watch something and break it down on their own. And if they're using ChatGBT to they're not using their own critical thinking, their own brain to unpack it. You know, they're they're still relying on something. And that's where I don't like it for students. I guess it could help you write an essay, but I think the limitations are still there. It's still interpreting what you're writing. Mm-hmm. And it isn't, you know, when I saw the high scene it wrote, it, it just didn't have, it was very superficial and very, um, you know, just sort of that cookie cutter response. Mm-hmm. There there was absolutely zero creativity. It was nothing I could use because there was no way to, it was a very generic idea. You know, even though I was getting more specific, now the protagonist has this limitation and it would kind of just spit something out. So <laughs> that it, it's the same. It's just, it's not a creative zone. I did ask, right. I did ask it to do this one task. I just was like riffing on prompts to to feed it. And I said, there's a, write me a poem about a a hound and a hare who are enemies at first and become friends. And (laughs) it gave me, you know, a nice little several, Mm -hmm. several uh, stanzas, I guess. Not the right phrase. That would, that would be okay for a second grader or a third grader to read because things rhymed and it'd be, you know, um, and it actually told a story, but like you say, it would not be good enough for general audiences who would be expecting a little more of a spark. And there just wasn't a spark. It was missing that. And so I think maybe that's its limitation. You know what? Let's go over to chat GPT and ask it list five deficiencies of chat GPT. Oh, as an AI language model, I don't have personal opinions or feelings about my abilities, but I can discuss some limitations or challenges that ChatGPT might have. Here are five examples. Lack of common sense, um, inability to reason or think critically. That's a good one. Potential bias. Ooh, that one's Mm -hmm. really kind of scary. If ChatGPT has learned from biased or incomplete data, it might reflect that bias in its responses. For example, mm-hmm. if it has learned more from certain types of texts or authors, it might show preferences or prejudices towards su- certain groups of people or topics. To me, that may be its biggest problem. Lack of emotional understanding. So it doesn't understand emotions or, and it can't empathize with humans. That's very important for people to keep in mind and vulnerability to manipulation. So that one's a good one too. Um, Generates responses based on input it receives. It can be, could be manipulated by humans who intentionally give it false or misleading information. And there you go, big brother, you know, messing with our minds through chat GPT. <laughs> lack of common sense, inability to reason or think critically, potential bias, lack of emotional understanding, vulnerability to manipulation. And as we've said, that it's missing that spark. I guess that pretty much sums it up as far as can't think of anything else, but I'm sure something will come up. (laughs) I think that's it. I really think that's it. What do you see then? I guess as a professor, it would present an ethical problem for a student to 
turn it into assignment they didn't do basically yeah it's a plagiarism problem because you can't really cite that as a source since it's pulling from wherever on the end because we're teaching students that you want to cite sources that are like peer-reviewed journals we're still also trying to teach them you know someone's personal blog is their opinion that's not a source Right. Like, especially if you're trying to do a research paper, Mm -hmm. you need to go in the research databases. If they're just writing papers from this, then it is it plagiarism because they're not whose work is it, you know, and that's the argument. We just don't know. Um, It's not their work. And even if we're writing an essay where they need to give their opinion, that's definitely not their opinion. It's something else. But it's also just for me, I, I'm trying to write a midterm online where it's essay questions that like they need to do their writing skills, how they form sentences, how they do a opening hook, middle body, close conclusion. Mm -hmm. We're trying to teach them how to do that. So if they just get it from this AI software, then where's the learning taking place? Because they already know how to use technology. So Right. That's not the point. So you're teaching what, what in particular kind of course do you teach? So I've taught public speaking, business and professional communication and intro to mass media where you, you know, we look at say one topic on my midterm is who were the muckrakers in journalism based on what we discussed in class list three and tell me their significance. So yes, mm-hmm. you could get that off AI, but then studies show that you remember things by seeing and then handwriting yourself, you know, mm-hmm. recall. Okay. If you just type it in, are you learning it or just, you know, are you just, just passing yeah. the information from one source to another? Right. Then do you remember it? Probably not. That that's our that's our fear with some of this stuff. Right. So, Right. Yeah. So would it be okay, in your opinion, to have someone say, what are five points I need to make about a a, a certain topic? Or can you give me a sample outline, blah, blah, blah. Or or would would it be okay for them to have their rough draft, feed it in and say, what do you think about this? (laughs) You know, kind of like... um, Yeah, not for my class. I could see for like some English classes, but I'm really trying to get them to think critically about media Mm -hmm. on their own. And so for me, I personally wouldn't use it or wouldn't want it in my class because Mm -hmm. I want them to come up with their own assessment of things, not using an AI to give that to them. Right. Right. Okay. What about you, uh, VE? Well, I'm not a college professor, but the big thing that I noticed that I, I mean, aside from the limitations that it's already given us is that I can tell that somebody's written something with it, aside from the lack of creativity, because it's always grammatically correct and there aren't many mistakes. And, and as an, as a, as a line editor, that's what I'm looking for. And, and individuals will have inconsistencies in how they put in commas or toward versus towards right you know and and things like that an ai is not going it's going to be more consistent about that sort of thing and Mm -hmm. so um i can tell when something's been written by an ai or has been heavily edited by 
you know, using some kind of SEO software or something. Um, and to be fair, on my ad copy on my website, you know, I use some of that software myself. Mm-hmm. But like it's like it admits it doesn't have the creative spark. And and you're gonna and I feel like when I see something that's been written in that way, you know, I can tell that it's flat and it's dull and it doesn't have it doesn't have any emotion to it. Right. Um, and and that's something that at this point only a human can do, mm-hmm. you know, is put emotion into writing. So I think we should ask Chat, Chat GPT what are the ethical problems with using Chat GPT? He's thinking is, about it, several bias and discrimination. It kind of touched on that in the last thing. Misinformation, like people could use it to spread disinformation. That's interesting. Privacy concerns. Chat GPT may collect and store personal information about users, which could pose privacy. Let's see, dependence and dehumanization. Ooh, if people become too reliant on chat GPT for communication or decision-making, it could lead to a loss of human interaction and dehumanization of social interactions. Um, This could have negative impacts on mental health and social well-being. I can see that. And then responsibility and accountability. And I think this is where you're you're touching on it, um, Angela, is there may be questions about who's responsible for chat GPT's actions and decisions and who's accountable if it gets something wrong. As AI becomes more advanced and autonomous, there may be ethical and legal implications for the actions of AI systems like chat GPT. It's almost like it's looking into the future a little bit, but it's probably just reading a lot of what's been written about it, honestly, to form that answer. And it is a little different than the last time I asked. So that's very, very interesting. How would it it change if you said, what are the ethical problems of a student using? Oh, let's Let's just write a paper, you know? Yeah, let's just ask it. Because what are the ethical problems of a student using chat GPT? Give a short list. Maybe we can modify its responses. Plagiarism. Yeah. There's your big one. Cheating Cheating. to help Mm -hmm. with exams or quizzes. Um, Bias and discrimination. Again, dependence and dehumanization. Boy, it's really pegging on that. Um, Responsibility and accountability. Almost exactly the same things that it did before. But cheating and plagiarism are new. And I can actually see that being a problem in the professional world as well. Yeah. And that's why sometimes like when I'm doing a discussion, I, and I have my own lecture slides that have answers from our book. Those are the answers I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So yes, you could Google it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what we talked about. And so that's why it could even lead the student down the wrong road because they think, because I'm saying, no, remember, this is on my slide. This is what I want. This is the answer I wanted. Mm-hmm. Not this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not something so. you got from who knows where. And what's yeah. interesting is this librarian was again, Twitter. I love Twitter. Anyway, uh, this librarian was talking about this man that came in and he was doing some serious research, I guess, on his family. And he had gotten to back to the 18th century or whatever. And and he said, um, it gave me all sorts of biographical info. I asked where that came from. And it said the ODNB. Q website, Royal Collections Trust, when I queried each reference, it then admitted they didn't exist. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. So it just kind of made stuff up if it didn't know it. So I think that's a, a really good argument for citing your sources. And that's what it doesn't do. There. And as an author, if you're using it to write a story, how do you know it's not finding? I mean, I found my book on a pirated website. Yeah. Thank goodness no one downloaded it because that those kind of people on those pirate sites wouldn't like my book. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just saying. I found that's true um, of my books too. The <laughs> <laughs> um, people on the dark web are not looking for my kind of like fluffy uh, interpretive science fiction. But uh, I'm like, my book could be out there. I, I'm not saying anyone's plagiarizing my book but i'm just saying what about i mean there's sites that pirated materials from stephen king and you mm-hmm. know um all the you know all the main john grisham so how do we know it's not pulling quotes from there writing pursuits is run by Catherine mckee who has been trusted by fiction authors since 2014 to take their writing to a new level of excellence Catherine is a three-story method certified editor who specializes in story diagnostics coaching and line editing to help you prepare your story for the journey ahead for more information go to writingpursuits.com the link is in the show notes and now back to the podcast so how do we know it's not pulling quotes from there? An amalgamation of other people's work. Um, and then you start using it. Are you, is that copyright infringement? I don't I, know. I'm just imposing it. Like, is that? Well, and especially if it brings in song lyrics, which, which are you're not supposed to use, which yeah. get are really, you know, if you get caught doing that, you're in a, yeah. you're in a world of hurt. Yeah, I always have to talk to my authors if they have a popular song. I say, you got to get written permission. You cannot do that. You can mention the title and the group, yeah. but you can't, you cannot use the lyrics. Do not. <laughs> Just don't. You see chat GPT and AI like in general as a threat to you as an author? No. Yeah. No. You- it's just, it's just not good enough. I I'm I'm with uh, the dialogue doctor Jeff Falcons that what readers want is to be taken on an emotional journey from the beginning to the end and see the character growth and an AI can't write that it can't do it by its own admission it can't do emotion right so telling it to write you a novel is going to give you a list of events and that's all it's going to be Right. It's it's not going to have character development. It's not going to have character voice. It's not going to have it, it won't even have description. It'll say the building, but it won't tell you about the building or what the what the parking lot, you know, sounded like as the as the pebbles crunched under your feet or the smell of the you know, the cement plant across the road. You know, those kinds of, you know, those kinds of things. It's not good enough to do that. And it won't, I don't think it will be for a long, long time. Not unless, as you say, it's bringing in. Yeah. Unless it's, unless it's, unless it's directly plagiarizing something. And then, you know. Then you got to worry. Yeah. And I think that that, what you're just describing, what the POV uh, character at the time is experiencing, smelling, seeing, uh, sensing feeling all that stuff is is key to your characterization and it's key to the reader's um 
interaction and relationship with your character, how much they are emotionally bonded with that character. And, and I don't think that um, the machine would understand, even if it threw stuff out, it might not be exactly what you intended as characterization. Right. And if you're, and if you're doing anything at all that touches on romance, you know, it's, it's going to, it, it may throw you into a uh, terms of service error. That doesn't yes. help at all. No. You know, cause you can't do, you know, terms of service won't let you do sex scenes and they won't, it won't let you do, you know, it just won't go anywhere near that stuff. There's, there's, so. I think it's got guardrails for violence, sex, mm-hmm. um, racism. So if you're, yeah. if you're doing a character who is a racist, then you're, <laughs> then you, it's not going to do it. Yeah. So what do you think? Um, Angela, what do you think of the? I agree with everything he said. The only thing that I think could be, it's not really a threat, but it's just a, you know, if you're selling, for example, I'm selling an Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. And if people start just pumping out AI written books, then that's further adding to the algorithm of books I'm competing with. So may, they may be not good, right. but they still push me into like, if I'm, you know, my ranking, if that, if the total number of books in space opera keeps growing because the AI books are adding to it, then it's like, oh gosh, I've got to compete with those and the bestsellers. You know, it, right. is that going to start happening? You know, I don't know, but that that was the only potential real, you know, threat that I thought may be possible. I think what's going to happen, but this is my my prediction, is that they're going to come up with things like the plagiarism tools we already have. I think they're going to come mm-hmm. up with ways to figure out that this was generated by chat GPT. I'm more concerned actually for our, our voice actors and uh, visual artists, uh, like for um, mm-hmm. painting and photography and graphics of any sort. I'm more concerned for them because some of the stuff that the AI can come up with is pretty good. I mean, just admittedly, it's pretty good and it takes it moments instead of days and weeks to create stuff that can be used and and like for voice ai um you can say do it in the style of whatever and you're going to get pretty close so there's i think there's some lawsuits out there going on right now for those ai engines and i don't even remember all the names mid-journey is Mid-Journey one is one it's yeah a big one wasn't it apple or was it was it amazon where like find away voices and stuff were sampling people's voices and 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 now there's kind of like you can't do that. That's our voice. That's our property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so TikTok got sued for that. Did it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the 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 original TikTok voice was a woman who did not consent to, and she never oh. actually found out how her voice recordings had gotten from. Her studio to China because TikTok is a Chinese company. Right, right. Yeah. And she never consented to be the voice to TikTok. And she started losing work as a voice actor because of, you know, because people, you know, people were doing things on TikTok and they didn't, her customers didn't want the same voice. That would really be a good basis for a lawsuit though, because you're losing business and future business. Because now it's been stolen from you. So I'm going to do this one last chat thing with uh, 
chat GPT, but I said, writing in the style of the King James Bible, please tell me any dangers associated with using chat GPT. Um, Verily, I say unto thee, there are dangers associated with using chat GPT, for it is a tool that can lead one astray from the path of righteousness. First and foremost, chat GPT is a tool of the world, and as such, it is susceptible (laughs) to the corrupting influences of man. If one is not vigilant, it may lead to falsehoods and deceit, for it lacks the discernment and judgment that is inherent to the human heart. Moreover, the language of ChatGPT is not pure, but is the product of many tongues and dialects. This may lead to confusion and misinterpretation of its messages, for it is not guided by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Furthermore, ChatGPT is a vessel for the works of the devil, for it may lead one to covetousness, oh. envy, and pride. It may also promote worldly desires and values, which are contrary to the teachings of the Lord. Therefore, let us all use chat gpt be wary for it is a tool that can lead one astray from the path of righteousness may we always seek the guidance of the holy spirit and the teachings of the lord that we may walk in the light and avoid the snares of the world amen that is beautiful i love that i think i may copy that that's fantastic there's a quote Lightning round. How might GPT be able to be useful to fiction writers? And what is the way you think authors should use chat GPT? The big thing that I've found it's useful for, like I said, is just brainstorming through plot holes. I need, if I'm thinking, I'm a three-story method editor. So if I'm thinking about the three-story method, I need a conflict, a choice, a consequence, and I need mm-hmm. two or three uh, progressive complications. Um, in my act two. So it can help me outline and find what those progressive complications need to be, but that's as far as it's going to go, at least for, at least for the foreseeable future. Right. That's what the tool is for me. It's a brainstorming tool. It is not a creativity tool. I agree. And I think for me, it could be a good research tool. If there's something that, you know, just quick, um, I need to explain, um, the different levels of the at- of Earth's atmosphere and what they're called and how they function in layman's terms. And quickly, I will get, you know, paragraphs that I can pull from and put in my own writing. I think as that, that's going to be a huge help. Like I said, when I was doing research about the ocean, it came up with stuff that I couldn't find very easily. And I was able to use that. Um, as far as like... I wasn't able to totally get it out of a plot myself out of a plot hole, but the kind of person I am is sometimes like, because I'm my Clifton strengths, like I'm strategic communication. I need to process things out loud and talk. Um, I could almost use it. Like if I'm writing late at night and be like, I need to bounce ideas off something. Mm-hmm. It could actually be a tool for that. What about this? Is this possible? Sometimes I'm like, I am thinking of something science fiction. I don't even know if this is possible in science. You know, those things I can bounce that off of and therefore then help me write myself out of plot holes. But again, not a creative tool, but maybe a research fact finding idea tool. I think it might be more useful for nonfiction overall. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I, I, like I said, I was riffing with it when I was first playing around with it. And I said, give me 15 synonyms for this word. And it did pretty good. Um, I felt like a few of them were kind of like, uh, that's a stretch. Um, uh, same thing with antonyms. I imagine you could do homonyms, but I'd be interested. I haven't tried that. Another one that I did was I went out and I copy pasted the Google terms of service. And I said, summarize th- this. And I just gave it that I pasted it in and it came back with one very solid paragraph that was, and I had read the terms of service. So then when I saw the summary, I go, well, that was pretty complete and pretty well worded. It cut to the bone what you needed to know. Um, same thing with Twitter's terms of service. It did an even <laughs> an even shorter one. It <laughs> gave me a summarization of their terms of service, which I found was like, that's very useful. If you're wanting to, for instance, if you were trying to read a lot of papers for to write a paper, like a lot of research articles, then maybe you could say, hey, summarize this in one paragraph. And you go, nope, that's not what I need. You know? And move on. <laughs> um, another use I saw was um, now this is my son. He's a he's he does a lot of D and D, so he's a dungeon master. And he he yeah. So he was um, using it for give me the names of of some elven cities, and it came up with some pretty decent names just yeah. from what it could glean about elves from wherever it gets its information, all the text that has been input to it. And it did a pretty solid job. And, and um, I, I did this one thing where I said, and it's just stupid. I said, tell me a joke about a rooster. And it, you know, it was <laughs> a dad joke. And it's it, clearly, it was a dad joke. And, you know, one I'd heard before anyway. And I go, um, can you translate to, that to Klingon? Well, it did. <laughs> And I also gave it a phrase, and I don't know German. I gave it a phrase, a, a sentence in 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 English, and I said, "Could you translate this to German?" And I really wish I knew German to double check my sentence. I guess I could have taken it to Google Translate and run it backwards, but um, I thought that might be a very handy way to use it. What's the word for? What's the French word for this? And so that might speed things up. You know, you know, but that, again, it was like trust but verify. So I don't know. Right. That gives me an idea, though, because sometimes I struggle with techno babble because mm-hmm. I want to know, like, okay, I wonder what it would say. It's like, give me a, a sci fi name of a medical device that could instantly repair a wound. Like, I know that that must occur in a technologically advanced civilization. I don't know what to call it. When you can but even maybe- ask it for 10 things. You know, okay, yeah. So maybe that would be helpful is if I could specifically there's not a techno babble name generator. Maybe I'd like a name idea, you know, generator that might be very useful. I think there are uses. I think it's inevitable. We've already opened Pandora's box. We're going to be talking with Chat GPT and other AI tools. I don't see how we can stuff that back in the box. Right. <laughs> it's like trying to stuff the internet back in the box after you know x number of people had been on it it's like oh this is the greatest thing since sliced bread you know 
uh, it's just too good. Same with Google. It, it won the war. And so now we're, it's there. It's going to be there or, or things like it. That's kind of my take on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, both of you, for spending the evening with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Angela, where can people find you? Uh, at com and on Facebook, Angela Haas author um, and Ahas writes on Instagram. And thank you so much for inviting me and including me in this conversation. I think I just had so much fun talking about this with you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And it's a fun, it's a fun topic. V.E. Griffith, are you just at vegriffith.com or is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Well, you can you can hit me up on my on my podcast revision wizards with miss Catherine mh um but uh, yeah i don't do social media cuz it's against my religion but um <laughs> nice. but uh, yeah revisionwizards.com or revision wizards anywhere you get your podcasts right okay well thank you so much it's been great having you and i'll talk to you later bye, bye. bye. thank you Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and follow the podcast. If you're new around here, I hope you will sign up for the weekly newsletter, Writing Pursuits Tips for Authors. That link and all the links mentioned in today's episode are in the show notes at writingpursuits.com. Please join us on Wednesdays for new episodes and keep writing, my friends. Keep writing. Keep writing.